Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 52. It's involving a number of areas. It's the people who work in business who manage, in particular, capital and liquidity, as well as financial risk management. There's definitely a trend of acceleration in the digital world, and and we are seeing greater use, for example, of blockchain and other technology. I think after a pause of a few months while they got the basics sorted out. I'm Dipesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. It's fair to say that COVID-19 has even has put even the best minds in liquidity management and financial risk management under pressure to maintain the financial health of their businesses throughout this unprecedented period. But managing money is no easy feat. The treasury industry, both buy side and sell side, has had to rapidly adapt to changing value chains extended payment terms and cash flow challenges. With that in mind, today I'm joined by Caroline Stockman, Chief Executive of the Association of Corporate Treasurers. Caroline, welcome to Trade Finance Talks. Thanks, Steve Fish. So brief introduction and my 30-second elevator pitch. Could you tell me who you are, where you're from and what you do? Okay, thanks. Thanks again for having me. So as you'll have read, I've had a long career in finance, um, but I've also done a number of other things, including coaching others as a trained coach for my Unilever days, teaching and playing the flute and um, working with young people. I've worked in large blue chip corporates uh, such as Unilever and uh, Novartis, as well as some significant international not-for-profits like Save the Children International where we set up a new organisation from the ground upwards, uh, taking on all the programming on the ground for all the Save the Children's around the world. And then there was the British Council. So I've always had a very international focus. And bringing all these elements together, I find that I can apply learnings from one area to another. And it's probably what's helped me most during these challenging times, as well as during other periods of stress and business and personal disruption. Thank you. So what does the ACT do? Okay, so the Association of Corporate Treasurers is the global membership body for corporate and other treasurers. And our mission is to embed the highest standards of professionalism and integrity in the treasury world, as well as act as its leading advocate. So in other words, to ensure treasurers are equipped with all the tools they need to be successful in their role, and also to ensure governments and regulators understand the view of what we like to call the real economy, when making important decisions which will affect business. We provide qualifications from fundamentals in Treasury right up to master's level. We have print and online publications and content. We run events around the globe where we bring the buy side and sell side together and learn from thought leaders on all the current hot topics, as well as providing other support and continuing professional development for our members and other Treasurers. Thanks, Caroline. So let's take it back to the basics. What is Treasury? A lot of people have different views on what Treasury actually is. So just to clarify, when we're talking about corporate Treasury, it's involving a number of areas. It's the people who work in business who manage, in particular, capital and liquidity, as well as financial risk management. It's really a, a vital link between the business and the external financial world. And it's a finance function that ensures the success of any business, as we can see during the COVID-19 crisis. If you don't have enough cash, you know, you're dead in the water, basically. So Treasury influences a company's financial strategy and policies, 
to advisors on where and how to invest, organizing the funding of the company, managing its cash flows, and managing other financial risks the company faces, such as foreign exchange. So dependent on which business it is, there's a whole variety of things the treasurer could be doing. But if we want to simplify it, it's all about managing money. Great. And I guess that sounds like a a lot of plates to juggle. And I guess leading on to my next question, how's the role of treasurers changed since the outset of the COVID-19 pandemic and where have things moved to? The core focus is still on capital management and liquidity and financial risk. And that's highlighted in our 2020 business of treasury research, where we talk to 200 treasurers around the globe and ask their opinion on what's been happening and what's um, what's to come in the treasury world. So that's not going to change. That's management of liquidity and risk. And what has changed is the focus the rest of the business is giving to Treasury matters. Cash flow forecasts have increased in frequency, as have conversations with CFO, CEO and board. Treasurers have had to take actions they might never previously have needed to, like setting up new funding sources such as issuing bonds or getting a facility in place or a loan. But they already knew how to do this as they studied with the ACT and had a comprehensive treasury education, shall we say, as well as plenty of opportunities to ask for support from others if in doubt on any point. So the key thing probably is the fact that they're now front and centre of their businesses. And this can be a real opportunity to build strong relationships with the key decision makers in their organisations, which can only hold them in good stead for the future. And of course, they're all doing all of this mainly from home. Yes. And I guess talking about working from home, given the physical restrictions in terms of the movement of goods and people, how have treasurers coped with these different working norms? It's a good question. Um, So far, and that's my proviso, so far they've coped very well. I can't think of one instance where a treasurer has said there were issues transitioning to working from home. Uh, They and their teams were prepared and it worked seamlessly in all the cases I've heard, sometimes more so than for their colleagues in other areas of the business. And we do know some of the banks had a few initial teething problems, which were, however, quickly resolved. Treasurers look at business continuity all the time. They practice this kind of stuff. They know that they have to be able to connect and to be able to move money into the different places it's needed. So they were well prepared. But we're aware of the huge strain put on people the combination of lockdown and the psychological effect of worry about the pandemic with the pressures of work, which did increase significantly. But all of that means that mental well-being has been effective, which hence my proviso at the beginning or I've just been um, explaining. So every person's circumstance we, we understand is different, whether they can't get any peace and quiet at home or they're alone and lonely, they have worries about other family members or they just can't separate work from home life and they find that stressful. So whatever the circumstance, we know everyone is experiencing additional stress at this time. And my concern is that it can creep up on you and you can become unwell before knowing it. So I think we need coping mechanisms and strategies for everyone, whether we think we need them or not. In my part of the world, in the UK, we're coming into shorter, darker days, which we know take a toll on people. So I'd encourage anyone and everyone to just think that through and ensure you're talking with others about how you can best deal with the situation in a world of at least partial lockdown. Thanks very much, Caroline. I think we should continue talking about that conversation. This is very, very important. A key function of Treasury is cash flow, not just in its own business, but to its suppliers. And with global supply chains disrupted and suppliers facing challenging cash flow situations, how have some of the larger corporates helped their smaller suppliers? We know some have been flexible around payment terms and some have helped with advice around trade financing solutions. 
For the former, they worried less about their working capital ratios than we might have expected and more about how to keep their ecosystem, if you like, alive and kicking, so to speak. If your supplies go under, you're going to have bigger problems than a slightly lower cash balance due to early payments. And especially when you have access to cash facilities, which many of the smaller or mid-market corporates don't have. So we found treasurers have been very much focused on ensuring that those around them will also survive and worrying, as I say, less about uh, how their uh, ratios will look on the market. People will understand what they're doing as long as the the storyline is is clear and communicated effectively. And as I say, we need to ensure, particularly those who've not had the same access to government funding schemes, etc., we need to ensure that they survive because they are supplying and those large entities that people think, well, they're doing fine, they've got plenty of cash, they're okay. Well, they won't be if their suppliers go down. Yeah, I mean, are there any obvious solutions whereby governments and funders really can help those that need it most? Governments certainly have helped. And we've heard of various schemes around the world where they've, for instance, worked with the financial services community to inject cash into the economy via cash facilities or loans, which they guarantee, at least in part. We've been working clearly with the UK government here and um, our colleagues in the US with the Fed to explain the world, shall we say, again, this real economy point, explain the world from um, businesses' point of view and how some of these schemes need to be tailored in order to reach where they need to reach. Clearly, the government's focus in each country is to ensure the economy remains as stable as possible. And that does include supporting workers by subsidising wages in one form or another. It's very complex, of course, and there's no easy solutions. I'm not suggesting there are. And everything in the end does come at a cost. By their very nature, certain schemes can only help specific parts of the economy as well. So there are those that can be left out. And as I say, it is hugely, hugely complex. But I think governments are working hard to be able to help. And things are continuing to evolve as well. But the fact that many governments acted very decisively at the outset is a really good sign. Yes, and I guess we'll have to wait and see how that pans out. I mean, I was talking to the Asia chief economist at Natixis just last week on some of the fiscal measures that they just can't take because they didn't have the support or the government balance sheet, so to speak, to support some of their local economy. So we'll really look to see what the impacts of that are in, in the next six to 12 months or so. So where is the treasury function headed if we take a bit of a, a short to medium term view. And, and I appreciate, you know, we, we don't have our crystal balls with us. Has COVID accelerated the integration of new technology into the treasury functions, as we've definitely seen in the trade finance space? And what can corporate treasurers do now to look at future proofing their businesses? There's definitely a trend of acceleration in the digital world. And, and we are seeing greater use, for example, of blockchain and other technology. I think after a pause of a few months while they've got the basics sorted out, are implementing treasury management systems again in some cases. And um, just the fact that everything is happening remotely from home is both a reflection on the solid business continuity plans I've already referenced that treasurers had in place, as well as a tribute to the advancements in technology over the last few years. Were we in this situation just five years ago, we'd be looking very, very different. And uh, uh, thank goodness that we are where we are. Coming to future-proofing, well, I'd come back to cash flow forecasting here as a start point. And whilst a large part of accurate forecasting is, a, I would say, a deep understanding of the business model and processes of an organisation combined with excellent communication skills, advances in technology are opening up new avenues. 
So, for instance, in the level of sophistication of data, whilst historical trends may not be of help in a period of unprecedented disruption, you haven't got anything to really to base things on. And as they say, the only certain thing is uncertainty. But data which is comprehensive and immediate will be invaluable. So uh, looking to retain the comprehensive business continuity plans which have held treasures in good stead, as well as ensuring financial controls don't slip, that's really important, to not allow cyber attacks to succeed, for instance. They are other areas of future-proofing. And um, taking things from a different angle, adapting an agile mindset can be a great form of protection. They say culture eats strategy for breakfast, which recognises the fact that strategies become extinct very quickly, as do budgets, uh, when faced with a pandemic. So it's really important that the culture of a business or a treasury team in this case is one of agility and resilience. And I think just um, that would also be reflected in technology. So being able to have immediate data, if you can't look at historical trends, well, having immediate data is the next best thing so that you can respond quickly. But then you need that cultural shift where you're agile and prepared to move in a different direction. Thanks, Caroline. And and I guess now would be a good time to mention, I'm sure a lot of these themes will be covered extensively in your ACT annual conference. That's next week, right? It is. It runs from the 5th to the 8th of October on a fantastic new virtual platform. So we're hoping um, many will be joining us there for a fantastic uh, lineup of treasures talking about what they do. And we've got a guest speaker in the form of William Haig, many of you will know. And we also have the futurist Rohit Talwar. So we'll be having a glimpse into the future. But lots of um, fantastic sessions. And we're running the NACT, the US Organizations Conference, um, also next week on the 7th of October. So it's, it's, it's going to be a great time to exchange thought leadership and learn from others. A busy week indeed. And let's talk about learning and development. I think something we touched upon earlier, it is pretty critical during times like this. Why is learning important within this industry? Learning, research tells us, builds resilience. So it's particularly important at this time, I'd say. But many people felt irritated, for example, at the beginning of the various lockdowns around the world when they were told, you know, it's a great time to learn a new language. And many people just felt, we felt too exhausted and, and we couldn't get our minds into a place to study. And then we felt bad about ourselves because we didn't take up Russian or whatever. But there's many forms of learning, I'd like to suggest. Some people might want to take an ACT qualification, of course, whereas others may want to research wildflowers or types of tree. Some may find benefit from Googling random items and others might try out a series of new recipes. All of these things can be helpful to us. And the important thing is that we're stimulating a different part of our brain from usual, having a break from other stuff, including negative thoughts, and doing something that's just for ourselves. We need to be kind to ourselves and not by overindulging, say, on food or drink or binge-watching films, a bit of that isn't an issue. <laughs> but my point is we need to be thinking about things that are for us and our own development and not come out of COVID-19 in what may be a few years time even, not having progressed in terms of our own personal development. You know, we work so hard and we keep our heads down and we feel we have to work for our organisation to our utmost ability, but we're not going to be able to give back to that organisation or to a future organisation uh, well if we haven't uh, thought about ourselves uh, one, in terms of our own development and, and learning, but also in our, our mental health, which is, is boosted by, by learning and by shifting our mind to look at different things. So if we, you know, focus on the ACT, you know, we equip people with the tools they need in their role. 
And we focus on making the study relevant. People always say that compared with other things that they've done, this is really a study that uh, they can put into practice the next day. It's about real work that you do in treasury and related areas. Um, but it also includes um, offering learning outcomes which are around, the, as we said, the softer skills, which is a funny word because they're not really soft, but without which we won't progress at the same level. So in the business of treasury research that I referred to earlier, people are saying this year more than ever, the big blocker to their progression is not having those skills. And so we've been ensuring that we help people develop those skills and they also can help us navigate life better during a pandemic. Thanks, Caroline. And we too are very passionate about that. And I think some of the research that we've come across in recent months really echoes that around skills. So let's talk about leadership, which I know is another subject very close to your heart. What makes a good leader during times of extreme uncertainty, particularly in a time when teams are perhaps dispersed and there's a lot less face-to-face interaction? I think it's easy to criticise leadership as well and maybe looking at what's wrong with leadership, you can figure out what would be right. I think in the times we live in, in these kinds of circumstances, a good leader is someone who's transparent, they're explicit, they're caring, decisive, a good listener, authentic and honest, creative, inquisitive and passionate about their organisation and their people. So a real mix of different things. And when there's great uncertainty, You as a leader need to create as much certainty as is within your power to do. You need to make decisions relatively quickly and you need to be transparent about why you made those decisions. People, particularly in this remote virtual world we're working in, people need to understand the thought process you've gone through. They need to feel included in it. And you need to be really regular in your communication with your staff. Keep them informed and be honest about your thoughts and feelings as much as is possible. Now, if you're feeling a bit down, you don't want to turn into a jibbing wreck in front of everyone and and perhaps demotivate them. I'm not suggesting that. But I think being honest about how you feel, even the ups and downs, is helpful to other people. They want to understand that their leader is human, but also can lead them and has confidence and is decisive. And I suggest, you know, the sharing is more than most leaders have thought classically in the past. Many people have felt they have to bottle up everything that is, you know, personal or um, reveals a little bit about them themselves. And I think the virtual world has been helping us to see people more as human beings, which which is, is, is really healthy, I think. A leader needs to really listen hard to others' views and ideas. So proactive listening and being in the present always. So not thinking about the future or the past, but being in the present, really, really listening to others and you know, responding in a decisive way. And that helps people well, it helps create a feeling in the organisation that there is some control and people need that. Although we, you know, you know yourself that we're not really in control of what life throws at us and, and COVID-19 is a great example of that. But finally, I'd say you need to be courageous, courageous in facing problems that don't have easy answers, courageous in taking decisions that might turn out not as well as you'd hoped and courageous in opening yourself up, as I've mentioned um, just now, to others so that they can really see you and therefore trust you. Caroline, you have a Strategic Insights podcast, right, discussing some of this and also on the previous question, some of these career development related learnings and ideas. Indeed, yeah, we have a health series. So every Friday during the whole of 2020, there's a short five to seven minute podcast, which comes out accessible to everyone through our website. That's at www.treasurers.org. 
And you can also find it on Spotify. The series takes different topics and insights that have struck me over the years as a business leader and, and a trained coach. They range from talking about how to embrace the benefits of diverse thinking to how to communicate more effectively to how to make your mind believe what you need it to. It stemmed from my belief that you shouldn't have to read 300 pages of a self-help book to get one insight. And that if I can offer in five minutes, say, two tangible things that can make a positive difference to someone's life, then why not do it? So I've selected the things that have been meaningful for me, that have made a difference to me and to other people I know, and I've shared them. Thanks very much, Caroline, and thank you for a, a really exciting and inspirational podcast. So I'm going to offer you a, a challenge now. So I would like you to give not two, but three pieces of advice. So if you had the chance, what three pieces of advice would you give to a corporate treasurer right now, navigating the current landscape? I was just actually speaking with uh, some others the other day on a session we're doing for our conference coming up and they didn't like the word advice because I think they'd be held to account. But I will answer this question. I will give my advice, my view. So our treasurers know that liquidity is all important and managing cash flow and ensuring sufficient funding is there for the organisation is key. And they know that they need to be in constant communication with their boards and be thinking one step ahead at all all the time to ensure the sustainability of their organisation. So I think the pieces of advice I'll give are the possibly less obvious ones. And maybe not what you're expecting from me, but they're hugely important and are the ones which will make a difference to everything else you do. We train our people. They know how to be treasures. They know all the technical stuff. They're good business people. But what are the differentiators that will really improve performance, make people happier, make their career, their, their life better? So first of all, my advice would be look after your health. And whatever the pressures, make sure you eat nutritious food, drink lots of water and get enough sleep. This is note to self, by the way. I'm not very good at this one. You can't operate there on empty batteries. And when you get some proper rest, things can be seen more clearly and you work more efficiently into the bargain. The problem is we don't tend to believe that. We think if we keep going, we'll get more done. And we need to have breaks. We need to have rest. We need to recharge the batteries. We need to refresh the mind. So that would be number one. Number two is don't forget about your own development. I've mentioned this earlier, but I really would like to reinforce this. Now, whether it's study, reading, webinars, or networking with colleagues, even in the virtual world, you can network. And people are saying they're getting to know people in a different way. They're getting to see into their homes, their lives, their pets, their children, their whatever it happens to be, artwork. But also your own development, it can be just reflecting on what you've learned over the past months, you know, perhaps without really realizing it. I'm thinking if you don't move forwards yourself because your head's down all the time, you know, focusing on getting the job done, as I've already referenced, you can be left at the end of it all exhausted and with nowhere to go. You know, you can suffer burnout. And I do believe in being absolutely loyal to your organisation and doing your best for it, but also standing back a little and remembering that at a certain point, it may no longer want or need you. And you need then to be in the right place for your next steps. And if you're not prepared for that, the only person who loses out is you. And then, of course, any form of learning builds resilience, as research tells us, as I mentioned earlier. So that's my second point, your own development, really thinking about that. Thirdly, finally, to build your resilience further, because it's so important, there's a number of other things you can do. And I talk about them again in those podcasts we've referred to. But I'd like to draw out one here, which is giving. So if you can help others give of yourself or give a gift or a donation, whatever it is that can work for you, that will help you. 
as well as the person you're giving to. So you can volunteer for the ACT mentoring scheme. You can keep an eye out for colleagues who've withdrawn somewhat and make sure you speak to them. The gift of conversation can be really important in these times. You can surprise someone with the gift of a compliment. It doesn't cost anything, but it'll give you a boost as well as them. And the final resilience builder I'll mention today is around taking control of what we can take control of. So I guess this is the fourth one, really. I'm being a bit naughty here. But our mind is very clever. And I think it's helpful to really understand the more you tell your mind something, the more it believes that thing. Once we realise this, we've got the opportunity to influence ourselves more positively. We realise that it's not what's just happened that makes us think or feel a certain way, but it's how our mind has reacted to that event. It's a very complex topic for today, and you can hear more about it in my podcast series. But as a final word for me, if you tell yourself repeatedly the pandemic has cheated you of things and you're in a terrible situation, then you will believe that. If you tell yourself repeatedly, however, that you've done really well in transitioning to the current normal and you learned some new things and you found benefits from working in a virtual world, such as global relationships, you're closer to nature, reduced commuting time, whatever it happens to be, then you'll feel much more positive. And you have the control over that. And that's a powerful thought. Caroline, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Trade Finance Talks and we look forward to hearing more from you next week at your ACC Annual Conference 2020 and also hopefully our partner conference with GTR, GTR UK on November the 3rd and 4th. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Thanks so much, Deepesh. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com. 